Hi, this is Eugene Edwards, and I just want to drop a brief editor's note about episode five of The Jukebox Graduate. In this episode, we make a brief reference to Jim Neighbors, and we may actually make a little joke or two at his expense. We recorded this episode weeks before Jim passed away. We in no way meant to make fun of him regarding his death. So if anyone's a big fan or not a fan of Jim Neighbors, but thinks that we were being incredibly tasteless, uh, that was not our intent. Uh, please understand the context. Please enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Nikki Lang. When I'm not busy antiquing or playing shows, I'm listening to The Jukebox Graduate. Thank you so much, Nikki. That was Nikki Lane. I'm Eugene Edwards. And I'm Dave Rayburn. And this is the Jukebox Graduate. After a bit of a sabbatical, we took uh, a few months off for uh, for per- perfectly uh, good reason. Dave, make the announcement. I'm sorry, but I had to move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, you didn't have to move. You you got to we, move. We opted to move for the greater good. That's right. Congratulations. You're Thank a, you very you're much. You're a homeowner. I'm a homeowner right? now. Yes, exactly. And and so the trauma of moving into a house, of, as most of us know, can be pretty... It's a lot. Uh-huh. It's a lot of work. And I chose to do a lot of it on my own. I don't want to hire movers. So, I, I, yeah, I took it upon myself to start packing the, the immense garage, the, the loaded-to-the-gills garage with all kinds of media that I've been collecting. A, a perfect jukebox graduate topic. For a lifetime. Right. right. And I think we brushed <clears throat> upon this in our, ver- in our first episode, our very first episode, as if there's just so many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in our first episode, we talked about, I, I, I like um, the ability to condense, I guess, yeah, our, the media, mm-hmm. your videos, your music into very small, portable units. Accessibility is key. Mm-hmm. If you can't get to it, why, are you, why do you have it? Well, you're the one who just moved. I guess one. I should answer that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, I know. I'm working on that. Yeah. I am uh, I am trying to pare down a little bit, and uh, I'm also digitizing everything I can for the accessibility. So if I'm collecting to have it, and I really need to have it, I can still have it. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to watch something or listen to something at any given time. And so I'm in the process of doing that to where it's digital, easy to get to. I can put it on a device. That sort of thing. So yeah. That's the goal. That's a long-term thing. It's still happening. I've got tapes that I'm transferring, uh, audio cassettes. Is everything labeled? No. Oh, see, yeah, so right, I, that's kill, that kills me. In my garage, <laughs> there's still there's trays of, of CDs, CDRs, the blank CDs, yeah, and, yeah. and the ones that aren't labeled are the ones that kill me, because that those are, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> segregating those into a, in their own pile, and then I, I keep thinking there's going to be time where I'm going to sit in front of a desktop and punch these suckers in and a identify what that is yeah. and then make the the uh you know King Solomon decision of well am I keeping this am I junking this yeah. am I even going to bother uh, uh uh loading this onto some sort of uh, external hard drive or not mm-hmm. and and I guess everybody has their own rules for these things yeah you have to set up criteria and what's your criteria or else, uh well I can't share that with you because I oh. actually don't have it all sorted out yet. <laughs> ah. I'm just starting to unearth stuff and go through and uh, like VHS tapes. I've got a lot of music video releases from back in the 80s. Commercial releases. Commercial releases mm-hmm. that were never issued on DVD or Laserdisc but, or anything, any digital yes, format. But, but is it on YouTube? It may be. See, that, that changed everything. For, that, that changed a lot for me uh, uh, however many years ago now. Because yes, I too, now grow, uh, uh, growing up in Yuma, Arizona... 
there wasn't a lot of, uh, again, back to, I probably said this in episode one, just not a lot of culture coming through Yeah. Uh, in terms of, I mean, it wasn't, I guess it could have been worse, but, but my point is when I got the music bug so early that anything on television, I remember looking at uh, TV Guide or what it was to see and, and just seeing who's going to be musical guest on mm. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if PBS was running a concert or a documentary about a musician sure. or whatever it was, then I needed, and uh, yeah, I learned how to work that VCR very early. And I just t- videotaped so much stuff. And and this move, I moved this stuff around across the United States over the years. And then one day it landed in my garage and it's in a, in a bin. <laughs> and um, of course, there was no more VCR in the house. So I don't know what That's... I was. And then YouTube. Yeah. And, and then I would just look up this old, uh, uh, it's footage of Louis Prima. I guess it's inherently old, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. But, but there's, oh, there's that Louis Prima footage that I have on a, a VHS somewhere in a tub and so and then and then that started me I said well, I wonder if I wonder if I can find this on YouTube as well and over time everything the that I videotaped well, everything there. I videotaped it's all there yeah. so now I don't need these videotapes anymore so unless it's a home movie of a an actual concert where we you know, yeah yeah or that, that that I was in or, or whatever but no, sure, okay sure. now it's almost like uh, you know uh, like you're at the foot of the Sierra Nevada mountains, you know, are you really going to take a picture of it that's better than the one that Ansel Adams took? Mm-hmm. No, but if there's a person in it, okay, now I'll take it, you know, if, if it's my, my wife or daughter, or yeah, someone's yeah, like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to take a picture of the Sierra Nevadas. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know how that analogy worked out. <laughs> well, the key word that you, you brought up in there uh, was time, right? Now time is the solution. It's also the one. Time non- is the enemy. Non- <laughs> because as you said, Suddenly VCRs were gone, mm-hmm. you know, and you got all these videotapes mm-hmm. because so much time has passed that all that stuff that you collected and recorded on videotape, like now when you have, you know, you've, it's finally landed in your garage and you have a chance to start going through it. It's like, where's my VCR? <laughs> I don't know where it is or it's broken. I can't find a VCR anywhere. And then that's just still lost, even though it's in your possession. But uh, time is the solution as far as making time to like what I'm doing. It's, it's like that Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith. Yes, and I'm trying to <laughs> think of the, to I, I, all, it all the time. And the, the title of the of that episode is something about all the time in the world, or it has time in the title. Yeah. but it's the one where he just wants to read. Yep. And then the the H bomb goes off, but he was in the bank vault reading, yep. and he comes out, and and at first he's going crazy, and then he realize he comes across the library. He goes, "Oh, there's all the books, and no one to interrupt me. It's nope, great." Yeah, right, right. And then he then and he then, breaks his glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's yeah, what so you're like the, with all the VC, so, VHS tapes. So but by the time I transfer all these things. Digitally, uh, my I will have lost my hearing, and and for what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been for the next generation. I'll just pass it on. But Here's... you'll have had a hobby, yeah. You'll have had a hobby. Um. So, so, but you're 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 moved in. You're settled in. Uh, every and... we're kind of still living out of boxes. I won't say out of box sets because that would it would it would almost be literal. Uh, yeah, literally correct, for you but, it would. But uh, no, we're we're pretty much we just hosted Thanksgiving as well, so we really had to get things kind of cleared out. That's to good. A point that to have you, people over. you pressured yourself into yeah. having the house ready. Yeah. That, that, that's good. Always, even if you don't like people, I say throw a party maybe twi- twice a year at your house. It makes your house clean. That's right. <laughs> you don't even have to attend the party. But yeah, so we got everything in for the most part. And uh, the big thing was the the vinyl collection, which <clears throat> moving that, that was, the, I have a photo of this, uh, all my record crates in the back of my, my pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it wasn't a hot day where I was traveling you know, to move it. Yeah. Um, but man, that stuff's heavy. And I'm telling you, this is the last time I'm moving Oh come Ever. on! It's a good workout. <laughs> it was a good workout. Uh, I got my Hulk arms going on. No, are um, you? Are you? Uh, 
how much of your vinyl is in the house and how much of it is in the garage? Or do you split it or how do you work that? Well, what I've done is uh, I've got uh, I've got one of these um, sort of traveling cases that has my 45s in it. Okay. Uh, and that's in the house. My 78s I have in crates in the, the music room, which is sort of like our... Uh, we, we Our garage in the house we got has been converted to a, like a mother-in-law suite. Oh, okay. And so that's being uh, utilized for that right now. So we don't have a garage. So I do have like what they call a music room that was... It was an extra... Uh, standing structure in the backyard <laughs> and we go out there and I'm like oh music room and Shelly's trying to sell it to me like, oh, this is, check, check this out you're gonna have a music room and we go out there and there's a, a little beat up piano against the wall oh and there's a rug and in the corner there's a uh, a guitar with a broken neck okay. uh, this stuff's not being used uh-huh it's put in here and I look and the, the floor is concrete the walls are all soft this is not a music room <laughs> <laughs> I'm you just put stuff in here to sell. Yeah, it. that's fine. This is becoming a storage. Anything room for me. with a piano in it is a music room. I think. <laughs> you could. Well, now it's storing some of my music. So yeah, I've got all my CDs and stuff out there. I've got my seventy eights out there. But the vinyl, I, I I knew was temperature sensitive for the most part. So I wanted to have sure. that stuff inside. And we managed to. We came to an agreement that, uh, you know, if we do this just right, we don't have the crates in the house, but we come up with shelving that looks very library style. Sure. You know? Yeah. Make it presentable. It would look good. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, uh, the majority, the large majority of the vinyl is in the house. Uh, I ended up getting these, uh, Ikea has these things there. I think the brand or the model is called Kallax. Okay. Uh, Kallax with a K. Mm -hmm. And um, you can get them in. Is it Swedish for collect? I don't know. It might (laughs) be meatballs. I'm not sure (laughs) what it is, but they they, they come in different configurations. Uh You know, you can do like a Let me guess. uh, Do you put it together with a small Allen wrench? It does come with an Allen wrench. Oh, okay. Yeah. Continue. I think every day, the meatballs come with an Allen wrench. <laughs> that's, that's the prize inside. <laughs> right. Free toy inside. Shouldn't give those guys an idea. Go ahead. Um, so anyway, they come in different configs. So you can get like, uh, and what I did was I got three two by fours. So, mm-hmm. and I'm referencing the cubes that are within these units. So like two wide by four tall. Okay. And then I got three of those. So I have like two of them uh, laying horizontally. Yeah. And then a vertical one in the corner. And it... It's in our living room, and we've got our TV up on that, and like a candy dish and some other things, lamp. So it's got the flat surfaces that every living room needs. It's storing 2,000-plus records. It looks pretty sweet. Um, And everyone seems to like it, including the girlfriend, the family that came over for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, ah, it's a hit, and everything's staying cool. I like this, and it's accessible. Wow. So I'll put pictures up on the Oh, yeah, yeah, if you don't mind. And uh, also, i just like to go back to this. It's a real... uh, a little classy move to have that candy dish, by the way. I'm trying to think of the last time. You know what? And I'll I'll put a picture of this up there too. The candy dish I <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah. It's actually it's a uh, it's a Frank Sinatra record that was turned into one of those those bowls using the. Uh, oh, they melted it into like a bowl shape. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And so it's even even the candy dish is a record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Too so, far. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> You've taken this record thing too yeah. far. Well, yeah. If that if that's possible. But yeah. So so the move was uh, it took up some time. So I apologize, you guys, for. Uh, making you wait so long for the next episode because uh, I've had some people asking, wondering when we're coming back and they'll, you know, we've great comments. Isn't that nice though? People, people coming up. I've had people, well, I've, I've, well, I've been on the road this whole time. Uh, I know I was in somewhere. You're I was everywhere. In North like Carolina, Carolina I believe. We performed outside. Yeah. Uh, right on the water on this river. Uh, anyway, uh, the guy from the, uh, that was in line to get into the show um, came up 
and said he he loved the show and it was it was really nice. Uh, his name's and so so thank you, uh, uh, Dave Roberts. Thank you, Dave. Uh, when you listen to that, great name. <laughs> um, Phil, Phil, I, in fact, now I'm, I'm suspicious that he gave me a fake name. <laughs> I don't know why he would fake do that. Name. I don't know why he would approach me and pay me a compliment, and then, and then when I asked him his name, he would he would give a fake name. <laughs> but but I'm sure I'm I, I, Dave seemed like a very honest man, so I'm sure he I'm sure that's his right that's great his his real name. Um, yeah, so uh, that that's really that's fantastic that people are approaching us and, and giving us uh, their feedback on the show. I'm mostly just talking straight into a brick wall most of the days anyway. It's just <laughs> interesting to know that every now and then people are hearing about an hour of it. Yeah, you know, not that you're the brick wall. Speaking of people that uh, do come up to us, I was approached online by a gentleman by the name of Brad Williams, who's uh, actually uh, a connection to uh, Brian Whelan, who we had on a couple episodes back, friend of the show. Brad Williams is in the Salty Dogs. Uh, band out of Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, he was telling me that I, I guess Brian recently uh, guested on their EP, oh, cool. which is called "Good Night." Came out in 2017, so this is a 2017 release. There's a song called "Nickels into Dimes" that uh, that Brian does some backups on. The EP also features a, a really nice cover of "The Christian Life." The band, the Salty Dogs, reminds me a lot of uh, Reckless Kelly. If you're familiar with, oh Reckless sure, Kelly. I remember when they used to have the residency over yeah. the Continental long yeah. time ago. So uh, for Brad, I'd like to play a Salty Dogs track here. And here's Nickels into Dimes. Hanger, play Ace Contentment. Indifference now flows from the car. And forties and new thirty that came from a forky tongue and I am done and I am done so wrap me
The Salty Dogs, Nickels into Dimes, featuring a friend of the show, Brian Whelan. Hi, Brian. Stop like kissing. What a want from you. Um, so uh, it seems like uh, so much has happened uh, since the last episode. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, for me, we, and, and now I'm, I think this was back in early August, maybe, we played uh, something called the Heritage Festival. It takes place out in the Midwest. And it, outside of maybe like the hardly strictly bluegrass shows that we do every now and then, which are really just over the top, great lineup yeah. and, and, and great every people, year. everything. Uh, this one was, was just a, trim, a, a great amount of fun and um, a, a wonderful hang with everybody. And, uh, and we were there all day and, and I just, it was, almost, it still just wasn't enough time to catch up with, mm-hmm. with so many people. And I got to see, uh, some people for the first time, uh, I'd never seen Ryan Adams before. Uh, oh, well, that's great! Yeah, that's great. Um, I'd never seen Gary Clark Jr. before. Nice. And, and, but um, and I don't, and I've never, I've never seen Nikki Lane. Mm. Uh, so uh, anyway, but uh, two, uh, there was a band that that uh, had opened for us before. They're out of Minnesota, called the Cactus Blossoms, and uh, Jack and Paige are the the singers. Uh, I guess. The easiest way to to describe them would be somewhere an Everly Brothers, Chris Isaac type. That's what of I was thing. hearing too. Very, um, and and J D McPherson, yes, uh, uh, produces their records, I believe. And so, and he also was. Oh, on they're the connected then. Yes, okay, absolutely. Because yeah. they weren't they playing? You were saying they were playing that same festival. Well, yeah, it was Cactus Blossoms and uh, uh, and then and J D played uh, not long after them. And uh, and then now and then JD, his bass player slash producer uh, Jimmy Sutton, a guy out of Chicago, and I met him back in the mid '90s uh, during uh, what some of us refer to as as the swing scare. Right. And <laughs> the scare. And he had a, a band called the Rhythm Kings. I believe that was. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the band. Okay. Um, and they were tremendous. They were really, really, really good. And uh, when I was with Russell, we used to do shows with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I had not. And I remember when. I remember hearing JD on the radio and and I was really impressed with how somebody not just the tunes and and the playing and everything but I, the, but the recording caught my ear uh, overloading the vocal mic in a very little richard manner okay. and but but everything was done just right and and I remember thinking wow who who recorded this and and that's not always my first question when I hear new material but but this was done so well and then, of course, when I looked into it at the time, it, there was Jimmy Sutton. I thought, oh, the same? seen Jimmy since I'm thinking South by Southwest 1998 oh wow <laughs> something like that so um, so that was great and also um, Shaky Graves uh, Alejandro and and that band who is a tremendous uh, band uh, they were great and I think well I have a picture I took with some of these people I'm mentioning yeah somewhere at side stage um, but uh, but JD's set was an absolute revelation yeah, um, rock. It's it's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. 
it's extremely danceable rock and roll. Again, we, we forget that rock and roll started out as, as a predominantly as, as, a, as a dance music. The beat, the beat. The beat, the beat. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, that, like that angry preacher. Right. And <laughs> These men come down here from New York and from Florida to, to find out my reasons on rock and roll music and why I preach against it. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. I 100% believe it. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels when you sing it. I know what it does to you. And I, I know uh, the evil feeling that you feel when you sing it. I know the, the, the lost position that you get into in the beat. Well, uh, if you talk to the average teenager of today and you ask them what it is about rock and roll music that they like, and they'll, the first thing they'll say is the beat, the beat, the beat. <laughs> um, you know, some of those, some of those, pre, some of the people in that old, they're actually right about a lot of it. Yeah, it, it's not. You're not going to be able to stop rock and roll, but, but yeah, you're right. I look back on some of that stuff now, and I think they were helping the rock and roll cause <laughs> yeah. by speaking out against it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, every bull needs a matador, or vice mm. versa. So, um, but but his his band is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they really do go from a whisper to a scream, and they play that dynamic a lot throughout the set. And and uh, later on in the evening, I was sitting down, I was chatting with with JD, and and I it, I thought I said, you know, this is gonna be a strange reference, maybe, but his I told him that his set reminded me of some of those, and, and we haven't mentioned them yet in this episode, but here it comes, uh, of. 1970s uh, Springsteen, the, the club, the club era. Oh yeah, like 72 uh, to which 74. Which is also to say, which, which is the same as saying, it reminds me of Van Morrison. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but where where things could within one song, there was just a lot of range with where the groove was going to be, how loud, how soft. Uh, he uses repetition really, really well. Again, Van Morrison. Again, back to Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, and and. So if anybody gets a chance to see J.D. McPherson when he comes to your town, please go do it. And by all, mean, by all means, bring comfortable shoes because you will be dancing. You don't even think you're a dancer, but when you go see J.D., <laughs> it turns out you dance. Now, was he, he has a new record that yeah. just came out? Yeah. So he was promoting that, probably playing a lot of the new material off of that, too? It was, it was like a mix. Okay. It was a mix. Um, and uh, so, he, yeah, he was tremendous. And, and Nikki uh, was great and uh, really, really, really friendly. Uh, I... Yeah, I'd never met her before. Obviously, been hearing the records, and, mm-hmm. and and I know we knew tons of people in common, and had a really interesting conversation with her about um, about being once you're the one in the driver's seat of a career, how a lot of things shift for you, how um, to be in a band, but also be the one that's in charge of the band, and how you your perspective on watching other people who are you know, more successful than you, and you used to think, well, that was kind of a weird thing. Why did they do that? And all of a sudden, everything's crystal clear mm-hmm. because now you're on some level, you're you're now in that position, right? And and somebody's going to have to be, someone's going to have to make the difficult decision, mm-hmm. or someone's going to have to to lay down the law because, like in her case, it says Nikki Lane on the bill, and so if something's a little sloppy or or you know just. Uh, or, or or things aren't up to to a standard that that ultimately you're going to be the one that absolutely has to, everything reflects on that name 
Correct. Mm. Yeah. And uh, doesn't matter if it's fair or not. It's just the yeah. reality. Yeah. And uh, it was it was really interesting to get her perspective on that. And uh, um, and then beyond that, got to see Larry Clark, uh, Clark Jr., great player. And but uh, I thought uh, we would talk about guitars, but we talked about clothes instead. <laughs> about Varvados mostly. Stage clothes or? Uh, but, well, just... you know what? That's no, there's no difference. <laughs> and I'm going to set the sun And then, of course, seeing Ryan, uh, Ryan Adams, that, and the sound, his sound was great. Yeah. He had the the uh, stage set with the, the oversized Fender amps, which is kind of a, oh, yeah. a tribute to the Neil Young thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he brought all his arcade games in okay, catering. Yes. Do you know about this? Yeah, and I, you know? I, I can, well, I can, I, I don't know all the details about that. I know he's into the arcade games, and um, I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit later when we go over some of our uh, albums of 2017 okay. favorites, but there was a... Uh, there's a Ryan Adams album that came out this year called Prisoner, and we talked about it mm-hmm. early yeah. in the show, probably first show maybe. And uh, he put that out, and then a few months later, uh, they released Prisoner B-Sides album, uh-huh. which was a digital collection on Spotify. Um, then they offered up this box set of the Prisoner album, but it was presented, and this is this is mainly for me, because okay. this is like the stupid physical the, the large... The demographic was guys named Dave Guys Rayburn. named Dave want this. <laughs> and if it, the larger it is, the, the harder it is to put in that music room. Um, <laughs> That's why he so, bought a bigger house. So our, being a favorite album of mine already this year, early this year, this box set was made available. But thankfully, it was every song on the record was a seven inch. <laughs> so it, every song in the album was a single with a beast, an unreleased B-side. So let's, I don't know, I'm guessing here 12, 13 tracks on the album. Then there's 12 to 13 unreleased songs mm-hmm. coming in this box set, all on different colored vinyl. Comes in a nice little box. The box, when you open it up, I believe there's like a sound thing that triggers. Mm-hmm. I think it might be like audience noise or something, but it opens up cool. and it's a stage. Oh, and there's, like a, is there like a pop-up thing? Or? It's, well, uh, this, it opens up and it's the stage, but then it comes with sheets inside that have cutouts for the band members, <laughs> for amps, and for arcade games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you place all this stuff on there. And it, the thing is totally gimmicky. Behind the stage, if you, like, finagled the box enough, mm-hmm. you could find that there's a hidden 45 behind the, the stage curtain in this little box. And and so people, and I'll, I'll put a link for this on, on our page, too, because it's hilarious. Ryan Adams fans are pretty pretty rabid. They're like, there's all over detail. Sure. They overthink a lot of stuff, and I don't mean that in a negative way, because I kind of can get like that, too. Sure, of course. But when this box set came out, people start floating rumors about, there's got to be more. There's always been rumors about this unreleased album maybe becoming available. There might be a hint in the box set. And so they're looking for everything. One guy actually destroyed his box, pulling the floor apart on the stage, <laughs> and just trying to find if there's anything and posting photos of his ruined box set. It's, anyway... The bottom of the box apparently uh, has some sort of uh, number on it or okay. a website that you can barely read, but if you have black light on it, you can get to it. <laughs> and this website for a few days, I think, had some little message on it and then it vanished. So people are just running with this like there's some top secret I love thing. this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally... Um, I love this. <laughs> it's crazy. I really do. I'll, I'll send you the... Or I'll, I'll put the link on, the, on our page because there's a thread going on and on. Now, as of right now, this has been months now, as of right now... 
this has not been solved. Nobody's found what the secret thing may be, but there's everyone's hanging on the promise that there is something. And maybe they're waiting for the last copy of this box set to be sold and get out there before they reveal the final. Oh, I thought you were going to say, this is like the JFK files. It's Yeah, it's totally unsolved <laughs> right now. It's like, there's a lot of rumors going on, conspiracies. Or there's nothing to solve. Or there's nothing. We, I don't know. But I'm enjoying the box set, so that's enough of that. But. I like this because it's interactive, but it doesn't involve wearing big, goofy glasses. It didn't come with glasses. Yeah. But it came with the little uh, cutout arcade games. So, so we got to play the arcade games. He was did nice you? enough. Yeah, they on stage up. or did they? Bring no, him no, back? Uh, by uh, <laughs> uh, catering. Where we all ate. there was a little room. I looked over and I saw like a, like a missile command or something like okay, that. Okay, so they're traditional games. Oh they yeah, the, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, tra- like the big ones that you when you'd go to the mall and I, like in Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I wouldn't put it past Ryan to like uh, have somebody oh, no, put together travels. his own Ryan Adams arcade game. No, it's like a one of a kind thing, and that travels brilliant. with him. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, what would that? That would be what would the name be? It would be Heartbreaker would be the name of the game, and you would have to collect. Journey had an arcade game. They did Escape. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you watch Stranger Actually, Things? You know, you know what I found in the garage. Uh, sorry, to interrupt. But you know what I found in the garage while I was. Uh, I think I posted a picture of it on Facebook. But packing my garage up with all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a nostalgia ride. So. It's slowing me down mostly because as I find something like my, oh, absolutely. my old Fletch VHS or whatever, I'm like, oh, look at that. You know, I'm going to start quoting to myself lines from the movie. But then I found like a couple uh, uh, Atari 2600 cartridges and one of them is the Journey game. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember any of the details of the game now. I just remember it I don't it either. Existed. But I had to have it because it was Journey. <laughs> um, I don't even think it was a very good arcade game. I think to it was with. like the five band members trying to escape Greg Raleigh. <laughs> That's a really obscure joke. Um, and so, uh, you know, by the way, uh, this is way off topic. The the HBO show Roadies. Oh yeah, okay. Um, all right, I'm just going to talk about there's there's a a scene in one of the episodes. It just drove me crazy, and this could be a topic of of when movies or or television get a musical moment wrong and oh, and this was what yeah. no this is the thing where this was a show it's run by cameron crow and you got pearl jams people involved heavily mm-hmm. and you think okay there's a show about about roadies ostensibly it uses roadies as just sort of an occupation a lot of these stories could have they could have taken place in a hospital okay. i mean you yeah. know what i mean it's yeah. about human relations but um there's so uh uh i get the wilson brothers it's not owen wilson who's the other one People are throwing their phones into swimming pools right Brian? now. Brian? No, I, no. <laughs> not Brian Wilson. Luke Wilson. Thank you, Tim. No. <laughs> um, Luke Wilson plays the 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 tour manager, and then they they're doing a show. I don't know in Denver somewhere. It's 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 where his ex wife lives. So his old house is here, and so he goes away from you know Pepsi Arena or wherever, and 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 uh, and goes to his old house to get something out of the garage, okay. out of storage. Now. Uh, he's he's fumbling around and he sees a boombox, cassette player, right? Classic boombox. And he looks at it and he and he, and, and he uh, there's, a, there's a cassette in it, and he hits play, and then he just lays down, I believe, in his garage and just listens to the song. And it's supposed to be this thing, I, a moment of wistfulness and regret, and mm-hmm. and the song that plays is Radio Nowhere. By Bruce Springsteen. 
Now, you tell me the problem with this, Dave. Explain to me the anachronism involved. Why do I have a problem with this scene? With Radio Nowhere being on a cassette? First of all, right? yes. I mean, <laughs> pretty much that's, that's the only thing right there. That just right there, like if you want to take me out of something, <laughs> you couldn't have designed that one better. Yeah. Uh, what year did Radio Nowhere come out? Oh, uh, that would have been, was that 2007, 2009? Okay. So either I'm supposed to believe that Sony Columbia released a brand new Springsteen record on cassette right. in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Or I'm also or I'm supposed to believe Owen Wilson bought the CD when it came out, and then dubbed it onto yeah, a, a Maxell ninety or, minute. Yeah, or went to Radio Shack before they went under to, uh, to you know get some blanks. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. So, and I'm thinking if this is um, what's going on here? And and I know I hate I don't like if I could do a whole other podcast where I just complained I would, but I just when you talk about storage and that, and I just <laughs> and I, I think I know what happened. It was like we'd love to get a Springsteen song. On one of the episodes. Yeah. And of course, the guy goes back to house, wistful regrets. Should I move or not on or not? I shouldn't be stuck here with memories. You think there's maybe a song they had in mind that would have been on a cassette? Yeah. About, oh, I don't know, not trying to relive the past. Is there a Springsteen song that we'd all recognize that might have covered that subject matter? There's probably several. <laughs> probably several. <laughs> and I'm thinking Springsteen's people say, yeah, we don't, we don't really want to let you use anything that's older than you know, yeah you have to use a newer yeah, song yeah, yeah. and they film this thing we want people cassette. to rediscover this album that wasn't as strong as darkness or- so and <laughs> i'm just saying so there's a lot of moving parts when you're making something as ambitious as a, as a film or television show and not everybody is on the same page yeah so i was thinking it's like there's too many these moments. cooks in the kitchen like with all these great ideas but they're not bringing them all onto the same page and saying, okay, let's just fact check it all and make sure we're mm-hmm. in the realm of time. And the, well, the which story is what Mad Men did. And yeah. it's how it originally made its name. Mad Men, it took a while for it to become something that everyone was watching, or at least a lot of people were watching. Yeah. But the first thing you heard about that that show was how specific they were with the 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 era and the and the, the props mm-hmm. and all that, that. I mean, I heard... when. The episode I was there, yeah, the, you did the, a the thing. Man, yeah, the mandolin they gave me was like from the it was a Gibson mandolin from the nineteen down to that. Huh? It was yeah, it was, I mean, it's like Gibson makes that same looking man. I mean, they make it's an A style mandolin. I by hope Gibson. you had the original strings on it because then it's just not going to feel right if I watch that scene and it's got like you know. Oh, see, I took you out of it. <laughs> I took you out of it. Oh, Doctor, heal thyself. <laughs> another another anachronism. Uh, now that we're on the subject, uh, again, again, a movie that was about record geeks. High Fidelity mm-hmm. and uh, great music supervision, great, great song choices. I thought in that movie, but there's a, a scene where Cusack's character, uh, dejected and depressed, you see him. He, he puts the needle on a, on a, on on uh, on the vinyl oh, on, yeah, the, on the very first song, and what song plays? Was it the river? The river. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen, the river. And what's the problem with that one, Dave? Uh, that's not the first song on that side. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the river has never been. So Song one on any release vinyl. So, and again, I was like, well, I'm a record guy and I'm a Springsteen guy. So I I realize this doesn't ruin it for anybody else. But to me, I just thought, oh, you had everything so well thought out here. And then you just. 
It would have added a few more seconds to the film's length if they would have showed him trying to accurately move the needle to in between the grooves to like to get to track. And he would where. just be annoying. And you say, "Now I know get why." It wrong slightly. Now I know why Laura left him. <laughs> it would create backstory. Maybe if they would have uh, stuck with the music from the book, maybe Laura would have stuck around because wasn't she a big fan of the uh, British? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. No, because like the book, you turned me on to that book actually. Oh, great book. Yeah, yeah. And, and the book, book it's, uh, it's I think somebody's already put together the uh, the Spotify playlist with all the music that's mentioned in oh, the book. Oh, that's oh, that's really smart. And then uh, and then another would. playlist from the movie. So there's like I've seen those out there. Yeah, yeah. There's, this there's, is really cool. There's there's differences. Uh, so that was a great time. Also, we did a show out in uh, uh, Bristol, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and the there's a uh, a museum of country music there. Obviously, uh, the Bristol sessions. Uh, people can look up the history of that if you're not familiar. But uh, there was a time in the 20s where um, I think it was like, well, they offered maybe as much as $50 in, in 1927 mm-hmm. uh, or 26. I'm now going to get the, the, the years wrong. <laughs> if I could only research this stuff. Um, <laughs> people would, came from all, all, all parts of the, the Midwest, the South, Appalachia. The Carter, Carter family. family. Almost most famous. I have a box set from those sessions, a, a Bear family set. Oh yeah, that's, that's a beautiful set. Yeah. The Bear family mm-hmm. set. Um, so, uh, so there's a museum there, and uh, um, uh, it's really, really interesting. One of the facts that I learned at the museum, I never thought about it, but then the, the second you you discover this, it seems very obvious. Um, and I and I thought this was interesting. So they had like uh, printed out the lyrics to like a Scot Scots Irish ballad of some sort. Uh, I don't know, it was probably about a, you know, about a train running over <laughs> several miners or something. You know, just one of those just terrible. <laughs> and, you mean kids or? Uh, you, probably. They that just makes it even that. worse. Yeah. yeah, my, yeah children, More successful children, of a song, I think. Children, yeah, minor miners. <laughs> there were kids that worked in the mines. So, and it's, you know, 13 or 14 verses long. I mean, it's this, yeah. again, this is, this is how news traveled uh, still uh, the, the, when these songs were written yeah, in yeah. this way. So, um, and they, they cite this, this one song and they have a couple of some murder ballads and stuff and they're, they're very, very long. There's lots of verses. And, um, this is what, what, you know, what country music originally was. And then the technology, the 78 comes about and okay, well let's record you doing this song that you've been doing for mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. on the front porch. Hold on. You're gonna have to shorten that, right? I mean, we, the just, we can't on fit a this on, right? on the space of seventy-eight. Yeah. So now the country songs go from thirteen verses to three or four, right? And I just thought it was, and, I thought, and, and then that's how the song structure, what we now know as country music, mm-hmm. um, it's it's still a, a usually a narrative, usually there's a story being told, but the amount of time, the space within which you need to tell that story, has it was confined by technology. Of, of the 78 record. Mm-hmm. And um, this isn't, this is always going to happen. Uh, as we notice uh, many now, because of when the way we listen to music now, for the most part, Spotify, yeah. or you go to YouTube, we, we listen to songs on demand for the most part. Right. Uh, we go online, we, we, we queue it up, if you will. And so we don't, we don't come across songs halfway through anymore. I mean, we used to, when we all turn on, the radio we right, did, right. but now we just call up the song or, or oh, I hear, I hear so-and-so has a new song and we specifically go listen to that song. So songwriters and producers are cramming the first 
the very very beginning of pop records with like the co- the chorus is usually hold, the, or the title because yeah. we gotta grab your attention and give you yeah. all the information within the first four bars. Well, you're not gonna get twenty seconds in, right? Yeah, because yeah, there's no you're not gonna be listening at a minute thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the technology massaging the art. Yeah, and and some people may say, oh, that's terrible, so, yeah, but it's always been that way. If you have a problem with that, with with Spotify or YouTube being the way that that people now uh, start the way they listen to music. And, and how it changes a song, you you have to have a, you have to logically have a problem with the way our Western song form is and what the '78 had to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there'll be examples of. And then once there was the long player, the LP, mm-hmm. uh, artists felt like well, we can do a a nine minute song. Oddly, you know, like "Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands" by Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, it, well, that's side four of "Blonde on Blonde." It takes up the entire side. Yeah. And in a strange way, that was an extremely traditional thing to do, because it matched a little more that song form, that pre the pre seventy eight RPM song form. I remember when I was uh, doing open mics at McCabe's Guitar Shop out in Santa Monica. They said, "Okay, yeah, you know, everyone gets two songs, but make sure one of them isn't side one of, of Thick as a Brick." <laughs> <laughs> Which you know that'd yeah. be cheating. You get end up with like you know what a half hour stage time. Yeah, when, yeah, <laughs> quite exactly. easily. And, and Richard Thompson always makes those jokes in his in his shows. Usually, like if he's doing one of his, you know, long folky ballads. Yeah, and and we'll do two of them. If we'll do like Beeswing and and Vincent Black Lightning, it back to back. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, you'd love it, but I know he he's aware that he's like, oh boy, I've really tested your patience there because these are multiverse ballads. Yeah, he's he's actually great. On I just saw him on Tuesday last funny. week. He did an in store out in uh, Long Beach. And at, uh, where it, fingerprints? At fingerprints, yeah, and it, a beautiful show, mm-hmm. uh, solo acoustic, which is just the best way to get his talent, just like just direct. But he's, he's he engages the crowd, and he uh, kind of does it in almost a, a purposely nervous way. But he's in full command, though. Like, it, yeah, of he's, course, he's he's, he's kind of jabbing the audience here and oh, there. Like, you know, he'll he'll uh, say something like, "Oh, um, this this is a song from back when I had hair and talent." <laughs> and you know, a couple little chuckles, and he's all, um, "Nobody's debating that," you know. Like, so, but so he's there's a conversation going on there. But I, I got to tell you this: he had a, a great little, uh, a little story about. Um, I guess somebody was talking while he was telling one of his stories, and he says, "Oh, uh, what, what's that? What's that? Oh, oh, a heckler, a heckler. Well, you know, the best hecklers. Like, uh, I think, I think it was Glasgow, right? Mm-hmm. Best hecklers there. Oh, I can he only says, imagine doing a show there, and you two's on the bill." And Bono's up there on the stage and, you know, Bono with his, you know, social awareness and everything, he's up there and he's like, every time I clap my hand, a child dies. And somebody yells out, well, stop clapping your fucking hands. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) That's so good. One of the worst heckling stories. So, do you remember Pia Zadora? Yeah. The actress. So, uh-huh. she had married uh, some guy, a very wealthy guy. And so, he just funded a production of The Diary of Anne Frank as a, like a Broadway production or something like that. And so that she could be in it. And apparently, it was so bad that at one point, you know, all the, the documents of the house are all hiding. And uh, the, the, the officers come in to search the house. And someone in the audience yelled out, they're upstairs. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
apocryphal, I'm sure, but just <laughs> too good great. of a story to let you um, So, yeah, Richard Thompson. Well, you know what? Another road story. Uh, I think yeah. you know, I, we had a night off in St. Augustine earlier this year. And um, uh, me and one of the band members were, were walking through this little downtown area. And, and he wanted to get a cigar. And so, and so it was, okay, we'll find a place. And we found a place, a, a bar that served beer and cigars. Mm-hmm. So we get some cigars, we get, get some beer, and we sit outside on the patio. Now, as we walk by, I see there's an acoustic guitar and a little PA system set up in the corner. Um, and I noticed that the acoustic guitar, I can't remember now the, the make of it, the ma- but it was Laravie or Collins, but a, a very um, boutique acoustic guitar, right? Uh, so I thought, wow, this guy, it's one of those things you see, you're like, well, this guy probably really knows what he's doing because of this, yeah. the type of guitar he's playing. So we sit outside, beautiful evening, and then uh, there was a speaker out on the pedestal. So you could hear the music. If you're sitting outside, you could hear the music that was being performed okay. inside. Okay. And the guy picks up the guitar and is playing beautiful little classical pieces, you know, little, um, some Bach and, and things, mm-hmm. and then and then some sort of chord melody ragtime style guitar. I think, ooh, this guy's really good. And then he uh, does just goes into several Richard Thompson songs, doing the acoustic. Oh man! Yeah, and he's singing, and and I just he's and it's not very loud where we are, but I think is it me or is he doing? That's he's he's doing. Oh, what was it? Was it uh, was it Razor Dance? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, cold kisses in the rain. What's what's uh? The oh, Ghost uh, of You Walks. Murder in the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ghost yeah. of You Walks. That was the first thing. And I thought, that's a Richard Thompson. So sure, I go in there and, you know, it's just, and I just who who are you? You know, and, and of course, he's a huge Richard Thompson fan. And he did, like, I requested like three songs just to see if he could do them. Of course, he could. Not a problem. Yeah. No, not a problem. Not a problem. Not a problem. He, he was great. Uh, so it was, it was a beautiful surprise in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's just like a guy with an acoustic guitar in the bar and he, he knows how to play this stuff. Yeah. And his uh, Richard stuff is... I've never, well, I, I've tried to like work on some covers of Richard and Linda Thompson stuff, mm-hmm. but like just I, watching him in person, watching him play a solo acoustic guitar and hearing what's coming out of that. When you see someone do it that well. When you see it in person, because if you're not even looking at it, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a couple people up there Absolutely. pulling that off. Yeah. So it just blows my mind that one person can make uh, such a wide sound. Yeah. There's you know, the any can, player that, well, Chet Atkins. Yeah. You know, do the hybrid picking where you have. Uh, well, I don't want to bore you with guitar talk, but 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 yes, Richard Thompson, very impressive guitar player. Yeah. Okay, it's settled. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I oh, just, you I just, just killed, I just killed that, that child. Oh, no. A minor, perhaps. I mean, too. <laughs> yeah, minor, minor. <laughs> <laughs> Holidays are upon us. They are. Uh, Happy Easter. No, oh, not wait. that one. Well, we're doing it. We're doing holidays so early in this day and age that, like, four months in advance, isn't that when stuff starts showing? My up in ten-year-old stores? says it's too much. Yeah. She, she was, yeah. She just said it's, it's. But oh, we had. She's done the thing already. It's not even Thanksgiving. Good. So wow. Yeah. You think children would be like really railing to to keep Christmas around for a larger chunk of the year? Not just, mine. No, no, she doesn't like stuff. She doesn't. Want, she just wants books. She's thinking like an adult. Yeah, that's awesome. She, she, 
in bed with the newspaper this morning. <laughs> Checking she, her stocks. She said, this, the world's gone crazy. <laughs> she said that. She's, well, well yeah, I know that, but I'm grumpy and I'm in my 40s. Uh, so so the holidays. Yeah. Um, do, do you, li- I, gosh, I guess, I guess we do listen to holiday music in the house, though. Well, it's everywhere. You can have it at home. You get it against your will out in public sometimes. I think that's what people don't like about holiday music. The forced playing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I usually, like, I'd like, I'd, I'd open up a business that's the one place that's not playing holiday music during the holidays. That's my hook. <laughs> you know, you come in and you just hear just whatever. Alice's restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> in the Thanksgiving store. <laughs> um, the, uh, do you have a favorite? I mean, do you listen to holiday music in the house? I, I guess what yes. I'm saying is, do you listen to it by choice? And f- yeah, uh, I do. Um, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with how soon it starts appearing in public, but I do listen to it on my own. I do like it. I'll I'll pull up stuff. I have favorites. There is actually one record that's probably my favorite Christmas record. I could, it's got to be one of two. For me, it's uh, the Vince Guaraldi oh, okay, trio. Yeah, that was one of the ones uh, I was thinking of. Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I could, in fact, I could listen to that almost any time of year. That's just a weird record where uh, it just sonically. Yeah. What's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Neighbors. Or the, that. The, I, that was, and that was that the other your, option. Jim, Jim that Neighbors Christmas Jean? album. That's my telephone. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, <laughs> pull up Gene's favorites on the screen over here. <laughs> uh, and that was, and then the, his follow up was done with George Goober Lindsay. <laughs> a very Goober Christmas. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, the Vince Guaraldi. You're you're right. That one I'll play, and, and I'm emotional every time. Yeah, and I never get tired of that. That can go on forever. Yeah, uh, and also, and I think for me, it's the. I still think I go back to the the Phil Spector. Yeah, I remember that being a favorite of yours for sure. <laughs> Sorry, uh, pardon me. Um, and and I think that the the Spector thing, almost at this point, has some sort of vampire bite on pop Christmas music. Mm. Um. You know, every I I think the the, the now um, the song that the people can't get away from in the holidays, the uh, Mariah Carey uh, is it all I want for Christmas is you, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Which which I actually I don't hear it a whole lot because mm-hmm. I don't work in an office and I tend to not go to malls or wherever people are hearing the song all the time. Uh, so I whenever I do hear it though, I'm thinking, oh my god, that's that's done really well. I mean, she obviously she's singing her like. You know, she's a fantastic singer. Yeah. And and it clearly is doing the Phil Spector thing, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's it's that kind of swing and shuffle thing and the produ- and everything. I was like, well, why why don't we like this? It got everything right. But I realized that I, it's not, I'm, you know, I'm not taking it in as, as often as most people are. Mm-hmm. I know, like, my wife, for one, is ready to just go on a 10-man murdering spree whenever that song <laughs> cues up. Um, but uh, but my point is, at some point, if you're if, if one sets out to do a, a Christmas album, even now, I think there's a temptation to, like, well, we should probably put some sleigh bells on this. To set that template. Uh, yeah, we should probably, you know, we should probably get, like, a timpani here. Yeah, you're going to yeah, grab yeah. something from the, the yeah. from that album. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and my favorite cut on that is still is the Darlene Love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Merry Christmas, baby! Please come home. Yes, yes. Uh, just that is tremendous. one of my favorites too. Although I kind of like the YouTube version. I was just going to say that when when the very special Christmas came out, uh-huh. uh, I thought that was just fantastic, and yeah. even had a sense of humor. Just the, the spoken word intro thing. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like Bono was right, doing yeah. a bit of an Elvis. He thing. wasn't clapping his hands. 
And I thought the rhythm. I mean, just I thought the rhythm section had that swing. They had it. They had it down. I I mm-hmm. always thought that was a really really uh, great uh, rendition of it. it. Clearly owed itself completely to Darlene Love's mm-hmm. version. Uh, they didn't try and reinvent a wheel there. They yeah. just sort of went in and cut it. That was recorded actually at a sound check on tour. It, you know, it is very roomy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's very very roomy. Oh, that's that's impressive. I love that track. Very impressive. So much. In fact, I, our, my, my band, we usually do a holiday message every year, and the last year or two... Oh, look at that. Oh, wow. Nice so decorations you, okay, on the so specter tree. Now, at this point, when you're listening to the podcast, I beseech you to go into Google Images, and what what will they search, Tim? Uh, Bill Spector Christmas Album. Bill, Bill Spector Christmas Album. <laughs> go to Images, <laughs> and I... I and, uh, you know, Phil had some very... Shall I say arresting wig choices uh, during his trial? What? Yes. And uh, I don't recall <laughs> him getting so so into the holiday spirit during his hearings, but apparently one day he he really went for it. So that way it reminds me of uh, Rainbow Head from the old uh, NFL, right? Or, or, or the guy uh, behind home played at some of the playoff games that would. Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the Rainbow Afro. Yeah, wasn't that his nickname? Uh, was Rainbow Head or something like that? I don't know. I, I, I think, think there were market. a few over the years. Oh, were they? It's yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like. Elvis impersonators and Santa Claus it's like outside a Scott the Scott Pirate. He's just like an from the Princess Bride. Just, it's a revolving. So cre- Tim's acting like uh, Fred from the Stern Show over here, <laughs> pulling up some uh, extracurricular humor to guide us. Uh, I will Love mention it. who Tim is later on. He because he, he deserves very special credit for today's podcast, by the way. Um, and uh, so holiday stuff, Christmas stuff. So okay, now so you you had mentioned or now so we talked about the couple different versions, like the Darlene Love versus the U two. As far as Christmas music goes, do you do you just love certain songs no matter who plays them, or do you do you like to hear a song by of a done in a certain style or by certain artists? Where if one artist cuts it, it's just a travesty, but another that's (laughs) that's Uh, more appropriate. I I don't have examples. I think it's 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 highly possible that okay so. The version of Little Drummer Boy that I I need to hear mm-hmm. is uh, Lou Rawls. Come, they told me, there's a newborn king to see. That's to me. Uh, that's I was just thinking version. of his voice this morning, actually. <clears throat> now, a friend of mine, the dearly uh, departed uh, Reggie Baptiste, he was in Shanana when I was in Shanana. Mm-hmm. And we would do when when it, we would do our Christmas show. He would do that that version, and uh, so I always loved Lou's version. But now my memory is personalized by a, a, a good friend of mine who's gone, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure there's probably really bad, bad, bad versions of Little Drummer. So I don't yeah, have an example, yeah. but but that's a, that's a song that I always loved. The song, even as a little kid, I just mm-hmm. thought it was just such a beautiful song. Uh, but for whatever reason, Lou singing it in his register. That's just that's how that song needs to be yeah. for me. Uh, I do find myself Phil Spector album aside. I do lean towards the 1930s, 1940s, early 50s. Sort of your Sinatra, Bing Crosby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that maybe Nat. maybe even Jim Neighbors. Uh, that that sort of Great American Songbook. Not necessarily big band, but what would we, what would we call it? The, the pre rock and roll pop thing mm-hmm. rosemary clooney singing right uh i for some reason that feels right to me lord yeah. knows i didn't grow up in that era um my parents certainly didn't listen to that 
that music. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I guess maybe there's a time. No, it's not a timelessness because you hear it and you it conjures up a very specific, you know, time frame. But yeah, yeah Nat, Nat King Cole and and, and uh, thank you, Tim, for the, the cue there. Um, <laughs> those just all sound just right to me, you know. Yeah, it's you know, like you get the Christmas song, you know, the classic, right? Sure. I I, I don't know if there's anyone that could ruin that because it's such a well written song. But I'm I'm wondering, like, you know, obviously we grew up in a specific time. Our kids are growing up in a specific time. There's several generations going on here, even like our parents' generations. Um, it, it would just be interesting to see, like, going forward, which versions get latched which onto last. and held on and carried forward. Further. Hard to say because we don't all listen to the same thing like we used to. We don't mm-hmm. mass consume. Well, we do. There's mass consumption. But we just we don't all listen to the same station anymore. Uh, now... As I think about this, though, the era that I'm talking about, uh, that big band swing, uh, gosh, I, I guess, I, yeah, not describing that thing well, but you, Sinatra being Crosby, that thing, mm-hmm. uh, also comes along in a time in our nation's chronology, at least, where uh, Christmas is kind of becoming more secularized uh, and and has become more commercialized. So maybe those records, there's a nostalgia that we all have for that or that it indicates classic Christmas time because it was the first time that we were all listening to the same Christmas music right. in yeah. mass. Mm-hmm. Um, as were before, we were listening to, to Christmas music. Probably meant it depended on what church you went to. Sure. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, your shared Christmas music wasn't just in Latin or it wasn't just, you know, I just, I'm just thinking that, oh, that, that was probably, that's why it's so unifying because yeah. it was the yeah. first Christmas music that we all agreed upon, which kind of brings me a little bit to, um, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. There was, um, Mark, speaking of Mark Marin again, he had taped a Netflix special earlier this year and in it he he's talking about how how the country's so divided politically and on social issues and and then he goes into how we all, but we're all good with Tom Petty right like we all agree on Tom Petty mm-hmm. like that's the last safety and and then uh shortly about i don't know maybe weeks after that Netflix special uh, is released uh, Tom's gone yeah and uh did am i mistaken did you go see the Hollywood Bowl stand i did not oh you did not i had some friends that went <coughs> i'd seen him at the bowl before on the uh echo tour Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think that's I, you know, and I saw him one other time at um, uh, Irvine Meadows, uh, the tour that he was doing with Steve Linwood. I, so that year, he also did the Hollywood Bowl, and uh, that would have been two thousand eight. Yeah, that's by right. April. Mm-hmm. I remember this distinctly because uh, I remember late in two thousand seven they announced the show, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to whip out the credit card and do this. I'm just gonna. Pay for a couple of tickets. I know my wife digs Petty. I know she loves Steve Winwood. Mm-hmm. We're just going. We're going. So I bought the tickets. <clears throat> they sent them in the mail, in the envelope, put them in the nightstand drawer. It's months away. And then my daughter's born. And uh, just as an example of how you're never actually ready to have kids, <laughs> there's just times that are better than others to have them, but yeah. there's no such thing as ready. Yeah. Um, 
one afternoon we're all the three you know the baby we're just playing with the baby and 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 uh probably singing to her or something like that and somehow at it it just pops in my head i just freeze and my wife says what's wrong and i just uh and i walk over and i open my nightstand drawer and i pull out the envelope and she goes, oh, when is that show? Oh, I said, it, no. was, it was two weeks ago. Oh, no. <laughs> just forgot to go. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> we were just so knocked out by having this kid. You feel yeah. like that, huh? I, I was, and then, yes, and Edward Munch. Did you scream? Then modeled the scream after me. And so I missed my chance. That was my one chance to see. I never saw him. Oh, I never man, saw him. I'm sorry. That's ah, all right. But that was the thing, you know, uh, uh, that his records were quite ubiquitous Mm -hmm. and i had been joking years ago about how so many people are so extremely familiar with tom petty songs they just know them backwards and forwards and then if they went home they probably i don't even actually have any tom petty records i mean a lot of his he got he had so much airplay yeah timing was just right you could probably find him on the radio at any given moment Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of people were catching it all the time everywhere and and for a very long time yeah uh, he and and uh i guess the comparisons that are usually made in terms of of uh, a rocker of similar generation and popularity and even style would be would be springsteen mm-hmm. uh who did not have as much radio success as petty did uh you know he had springsteen had a lot of songs off the board in the usa album where singles with an 84 and 85 mm-hmm. but n- can't compare Tom Petty was always his records were, were very concise and they were they were FM radio ready. Yeah. And 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 you know just kind of hit single ready and he also embraced video in a way that Springsteen. Or in fact, I don't think anybody of his generation of rockers quite embraced video. Mm-hmm. Uh so the funny thing is uh, I say like let's say the Friday night before Petty passed away. We were playing in uh, Texas. And uh we had restrung a guitar, and uh, so I was kind of spending extra time with the guitar to stretch out the strings. So I'm backstage with a little practice amp, and uh, the opening bands, uh, the Craig Brown band out of uh, Detroit, we're all they're kind of sitting around and we're all talking, and and uh, and inevitably I'm just playing a lot of Tom Petty, a lot of that is to say playing a lot of Mike Campbell. Right. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we get in this big discussion about Petty and. And and oh, how do you play the solo? And we were kind of just kind of going over petty guitar parts. Mm-hmm. And then and then a couple of days later, you get the news. And then the following week, we we're doing another show with with and Craig was opening for us again. And he came up, and he, and it was, and he said, "Oh my God, it's like you were playing Tom Petty." And then and then and and he it seemed like it was some sort of fateful thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then, and I, I explained to him, I, you know, I, I hate to take the mystery or the poetry out of this for you, but I think the fact of the matter is whenever I pick up guitar, it's a go-to. I'm eventually going to play some Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah, right. It's always been that way. Right. You know, I, you, you know, probably some Los Lobos is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Some Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac is going to happen. Mm. There's just certain things that are just, that I'm going to end up playing. And Tom Petty ends up being one of them, you yeah. know? Um, but uh, so, your take, Tom Petty? Uh, yeah, it's just it's like somebody you went to school with, somebody you grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was always there. He was always on the radio. He was always very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was growing up, uh, as, as we got into 
maybe the mid late nineties and a little bit beyond, I, I maybe wasn't paying as close attention. Uh, and it might've also been because, um, the radio attention to him wasn't as strong as all those yeah. early records with the heartbreakers. Sure. Um, but always, always solid. And, um, he kind of had a, an interesting, unique sort of voice compared to a lot of other rockers of the time. Sure. That I think just solidified his stature and my consistent listening. Um, you know, from the time I would say, yeah, Springsteen and Bob Seger and Tom Petty. And, you know, there's just certain artists from that time that just had so many strong songs mm-hmm. that were part of my life and what I was doing. And, and they were all feel good, you know. Yeah. Just, so, I mean, my takeaway from it is uh, just thank you, Tom, for, you know, providing such a, a, a great soundtrack that was never, I mean, it did its job. It was it was rocking. It was cool. It's not something that you can look back on now and poke any fun at because, you know, it stands the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was my take when people were so, I'm not saying they were overreacting because, of course, we lost somebody who, yeah, it did feel like, it was like, you know, like Springsteen's like the the good uncle, but Petty was the cool uncle. You know, yeah. he, was like, he was like the cool uncle. And like he would have snuck you a beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something else. Yeah, or something else. So, uh, but uh, my take was just like, oh, well, you know, we're just lucky that we got him. Yeah. And 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 he left, I mean, it seems like I, I hear him on the radio even more often now. It was like, he was on the radio a lot. Yeah. And, um, which is great. I remember somebody when I was working at K-Earth, somebody there said how, uh, 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 don't do me like that is one of those songs that it always tested well. It really mm-hmm. didn't matter. It was just that and uh, Oh Pretty Woman by uh, Roy Orbison. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, people would say, I don't like music from such and such an era. And you could play them one of these records from that era and they would just bust expectation. Right. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, I just thought, uh, yeah, we were, like I said, we were lucky we had them. Uh, we should, we should be just grateful for the work. Uh, as again, we we're going to continue to lose people, uh, mm-hmm. artists that, that have meant a lot to us, and we should just. I I think it's best for us if we just handle it with a with a, a, a large amount of gratitude, you know. Yeah, you know. Uh, speaking of uh, petty and Christmas, all in the same, <coughs> almost almost the same breath. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> reached out to our uh, listeners on Facebook this morning to see what they had as their favorite Christmas songs, favorite holiday oh, okay. songs. I wanted to go through and read some of them. One of them happens to be. Uh, Tom Petty. I, I don't pull it up. I here. don't remember him do. Well, uh, I, I imagine he did something like Run Run Rudolph live or something. Uh, or? Listener Craig uh, posts, "It's Christmas all over again." Very playful song. I'm not sure where it first appeared, huh? But it showed up on a lot of collections in the last. I don't know. I, I think it's what, maybe was that 15, 20 years the, old. The, was he on on one of the very special Christmas? There's a Jimmy. There I were three connection. or plus so three or more volumes of that, so he could have been on that. Uh, some other favorites here that people are throwing around are Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Brenda Lee. Yeah, that's great guitar yeah. stuff. Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. You know that one, Super by the way, let's freeze. So yeah, that one still kills me. The Do They Know It's Because there's this brutal moment of schadenfreude. I, not schadenfreude. It, it's, it's the line that Bono sings. Mm-hmm. And it's so... Have I mentioned this before? Yeah, the Thank oh, God It's Them. Yeah, tonight, yeah. Thank God It's Them instead of you. Yeah. It's such a... A difficult, complex makes you feel guilty hearing it. It's, but it's just so <laughs> honest. It's a compromised yeah. thing yeah. to say, and it really hits the challenge of, of I wouldn't say altruism, but of where do you, 
I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, it's such a, it's such a clever line that it just, it just stops me in my tracks uh, whenever I hear that song. And I, I wait for that line to come because I know it's going to be so difficult to manage in a way, emotionally. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to re-listen to it because if he claps right after he sings that line, <laughs> I'm going to feel pretty, pretty disgusting. See, some other favorites here, uh, Burl Ives, Holly Jolly Christmas. Yeah. Actually, my, my stepdaughter, one of her favorite uh, holiday records is that uh, one of those Burl Ives albums. Oh, wow. Uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside, the Dean Martin version is uh, one that Shelley posted here. Yeah. I, I think... Um, I kind of like that. There's no, a no, Louis no. Armstrong version that I really oh, like. Oh, there's several. The, the, the Ray Carter, uh, I'm sorry, Ray Charles, Betty Carter version is actually... Man, there are so many great pairings However, however... Yeah. However, yeah. It, it, it does read... Is wildly creepy, especially now. I, I, it, well, yeah, the, the last couple of months, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I mean, people have been talking about that for a while, even before the yeah. recent spat, spat, spate, spate of allegations, spat, spate, spate of allegations. Uh, we could Google that, I'm sure. Um, but uh, bro, so uh, yeah, and I don't think a lot of people not really everybody's lives. I think the confusion is that bro lives looked like Santa. And so some people are just kind of, they like that re- those records because he looked, but you know. Now, if Burl Ives sang Baby It's Cold Outside, that would be even <laughs> creepier, right? Yes! yes! But you're 40 years older than me. No, anyway. Um, uh, Dan Fogelberg, I guess, had a song, Same Old Anxiety, that uh, is a favorite yeah, amongst the ladies. Yeah, that's on, uh, on um, one of those satellite channels, the the Loft, or whatever, what's the soft, the really mellow? Oh, the Loft, I think it might be. Yeah, right. you see that one. It's, it's uh, as soon as you heard the melody, you'd know, it's like, oh yeah, that's it. You yeah. just didn't know the title, you know, but. Listener Stacy mm-hmm. says, anything by Andy Williams. He could see? make Motorhead's the Ace of Spades sound like Christmas. <laughs> a, well, okay, <laughs> what's, well, who's the, what's the listener's name? That's Stacy. Stacy, thank you for proving my point. That, yes, that there's certain there's something about that era of music and that style of singing and that that musical presentation. Yeah, it's like that feels like Christmas, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I love the Brenda Lee stuff, absolutely. Yeah. And I love like that when rock and roll early on tried to like do singing. And of course, the Chuck Berry stuff is fantastic. Yeah, there's a mention of Chuck Berry here. There's <coughs> Nat King Cole, and then this one I don't. I think I may have heard once or twice, but it never really stuck in my head as like a something to must go back to or anything. But uh, not not for lack of it being great. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. had a, a song called Must Have Been Old Santa Claus. Uh, and now I, I pulled it up on the way coming in. I pulled it up on YouTube to listen to it. And it sounds very Dr. John-ish, mm, mm-hmm. which makes sense because, you know, uh, the whole That was the first New thing I ever heard inspired. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. was uh, a video. Uh, it's just him and Dr. John uh, sitting uh, the, each at a piano in a club. And they do. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? They trade verses, and it's and that was and I obviously knew who Dr. John was. And this yeah, is back yeah, when VH1. Uh, oh wow! In the VH1 days when they're playing videos. Uh, so the when Harry, when Harry Met Sally thing hadn't come out yet, and and I was, was that, oh, so I nobody knew Dr. Who John. Was. Who's this guy? <clears throat> right. And then I went out, and I think the record he had that Harry had out at the time was uh, called Twenty, that uh, he recorded at age twenty, right? Yes. Yeah. And it was a. a yeah, jazz, I think it's a trio record. It's just straight jazz, no mm-hmm. singing whatsoever. Okay. And then, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, uh, so the, the Dr. John thing makes, like, yeah, it turns sense. out I, I, uh, looks to be a, a Harry Connick original <laughs> song. What's the, uh, XTC in the 80s? They did uh, a Christmas song, and, uh, uh, 
there's a, and it is like an over the top pop Christmas thing, of course, because it's XTC. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, XTC had Thanks for Christmas, and and it's like a mm-hmm. kitchen sink pop. Yeah. Christmas song like it's not just all the Spectre stuff but they just they they're just throwing everything in there as as they are wont to do mm-hmm. um, uh, so that's a, that's another favorite of mine but I'm a sucker for XTC I have one more I'm going to mention because okay. we could go on and on about yeah. favorite versions favorite songs there's a just a really interesting thing after that, we open with uh, how much we hate holiday music I, <laughs> I was, go eventually I like, we warm up to it because yeah, exactly. it's cold outside and so <laughs> about 10 years ago uh, new pornographers put out an EP called the spirit of giving mm-hmm. and they actually have a really cool little medley of two songs that were put together that weren't on their own they're really they're not Christmas songs at all but the way they put these two together to me it becomes like a Christmas time song. Mm-hmm. The first song is uh, "The Arms of Mary," which was uh, in 1975, a song by the Sutherland Brothers and Quiver. Oh yeah! And that's the first half of this little medley. The second half is "Looking at a Baby" from 1967 by the Collectors, which is sort of like a love kind of band. Oh oh. And uh, and of course, done in the new pornographer's uh, sort of pop rock style. Mm-hmm. Um, "The Arms of Mary," looking no, at I... a baby. You know, it's like for me, the the imagery is that whole. You know, the manger scene. The manger scene. Yeah. But those songs on their own, you go into the lyrics and it's like, no, that, that's not what they're writing about. But given that angle of Christmas and mashing these two Maybe together. Maybe you appreciate not being hit over the head so hard about Christmas. Yeah. And I think it, you're, and you're allowed to approach that. And the fact it, that I will never hear this in a, in, you know, in a store. That's true. Yeah, exactly. That's For probably now. not going to be playing overhead at. Uh, so I can appreciate stuff like that. But yeah, the holidays are upon us. And, uh, Thanks for uh, everybody for chiming in with some of your uh, your favorite. Yeah, thank picks. you for yeah. I I didn't know we had a Facebook page to be honest. And in fact, a lot of those songs that I mentioned, we're gonna, <laughs> they're going to show up now on our Spotify companion playlist, which we do every episode. The link will be on uh, our homepage at www.thejukeboxgraduate.com. I got I got I got I got loyalty got royalty inside my DNA. Now let's try and get out of here. Uh, it's the end of the year. Uh, Albums of the year, uh, it, it, and it's, it feels antiquated to even talk, discuss albums. But you know what I mean. I'm going to throw. Th- There's a favorite music of 2017. That's an even better. Okay, okay. We've talked about uh, every episode. We've kind of chimed in with what was uh, coming out at the time that we were that Correct. we just discovered and whatnot. Um, so I'm not going to repeat a lot of that. But I would say my top three or four albums of the year. Um, number one, Richard Edwards. Lemon Cotton Candy Sunset Unjoyful Noise Recordings. Uh, Richard was a, uh, the leader of Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos, a band that I got into uh, at the very beginning of their existence. I just saw him at the Bootleg Theater a mm. couple months back, and um, I just I, he's a fantastic solo artist. He put out this record that's just, for me, has that sort of dreamy singer-songwriter pop feel to it. It mm-hmm. just it, it's, it's kind of comforting. Okay. His output this year has really done it for me. The other favorite records, just real quick, I mentioned the Ryan Adams before. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to go seek out the Prisoner End of the World Edition box set if you want to have the the play set with the stage and the arcade I, games. I, I, is there a YouTube video of somebody unboxing there that? There is. There okay. Is. There's I, actually I one, a video of a guy and his young son opening it up, uh-huh. and that's kind of cool to see. Okay, so that's good. a multi-generational like, unboxing. I've never seen that. <laughs> um, 
the new Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. Oh, such a good record. That and the the new Nikki Lane, I think, are like on the bubble for oh, the good. number three top album of the year. All right. So for me, uh, real quickly, uh, this in, in no particular order, uh, Low Cut Connie, an album called Dirty Pictures Part One, just great sleaze. Have we not talked about this yet? Uh, I don't. I don't think we. What did you call it? Sleaze rock. I, 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 something like that. <laughs> uh, obviously, Kendrick Lamar, the damn album. Uh, Spoon's Hot Thoughts, I thought was very, very. Oh. I, I'm a big fan of Spoon. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, danceable rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's a, there's a reference to the uh, Tokyo neighborhood of Shibuya, and uh, I don't know why. And I've I've been there, and for some reason, just it. I never see that line coming. Whenever he says it in that song, I in the title song, Hot Thoughts, it always catches me by surprise, and I I appreciate the the uh, the name drop. Uh, Melodrama by Lord. Uh, yeah. and again, a not an, when I first heard it, I didn't think I'd be listening to it as much as, as, as I have been, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Jason Isbell, yeah. uh, and you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Nashville sound record, uh, but album of the year, uh, is, is mass seduction by St. Vincent. And if I call you from first, I've been new, the only motherfucker in the city who can Which is a peculiar choice for me because I'm not, I don't spend a lot of time listening to what we would call art rock. That's actually, I think, a great description of it. I was yeah. trying to figure and out, like, I, what do I call I this? I don't mean it in a no, it's just, it's very, way. It's complex. Well, it's just, it's very meticulously done. It's, 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 um, uh, you know, it's not loose rock and roll by any chance. It's, it's the yeah. opposite <laughs> from like the low cut Connie record. Let's yeah. just, or, you know, um, it's very meticulous. Uh, there's wonderful tricks on the record. Uh, at one point, you think, "Well, who's this guy singing along with her?" And it's actually her voice is just re- redone. In, uh, yeah, a, a few octaves below the natural. Nice. Um, but, but I think Annie Saint Vincent. I don't. I still don't, if when I say Saint Vincent, am I talking about her? Am I talking about the? I think so. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Saint Vincent. It they they fill my art rock cup just just right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like and and uh, um, I think this record really brings her her voice to the front in mm-hmm. a way that I'd never. And of course, because when the the first single when when New York New came York, out, yeah. had you told me that oh Saint Vincent has a new song out and there's just no guitar on it, then I would have just I thought well yeah then I'm not interested because I just think she's just one of the most innovative interesting guitarists right now right that's that's the pool for me was it was like this guitar playing and the sounds but I just hey Saint Vincent has a new single I went to listen to it and it was just so uh, arresting you had to go listen to it because that's not going to get on the radio no, the no chorus. that's a great right? that's <laughs> yes that's right yeah I, I haven't heard is, that's there, like, is there a censored version of it or not I. It would be How lame. Would, I, why would you? Why yeah. would you? That's like you know those uh, those um, clean versions of rap records where it's just an instrumental record at that point, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, just a beautiful melody, cl- uh, funny, heartfelt lyrics, uh, and then you get the record. And it turns out there's a, another song that's a really great song called Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many cool things. Even that opening cut reminds me of something like from like the Who sell out, uh, and I don't even know if Andy means. To, for that resemblance to yeah. exist, but that's what I got from it. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just 
top to bottom. It's just one of those things that just makes you think, you know, pop music and rock, we're, we're still in really great shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Lord album makes me feel that way. I know the Kendrick Lamar record makes me feel that way, that, that there are people willing to take risks, uh, say things, and, um, and it's just our job to go out there and, and, and take it in. Yeah, and so those are that's my favorite music so of 2007. Yeah, that Saint Vincent record. Uh, there's a song on there that kind of grabbed me this morning. I was listening to it coming in, and Happy Birthday, Johnny. Uh huh. Which you know, it's it's taking place during the holidays, but it's referencing you know this guy that's I guess down and out. You know, he's living on the streets and. Well, yeah, stuff. and I took that song as as as, as approaching. I took it as approaching um, homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm attaching it to there's the song New York and then the song Los Angeles. I don't, I kind of felt like that was a social issue that was being, I just kind of touched upon a bit. Not that Los Angeles or New York, the songs mm-hmm. have any references to homelessness, but I thought just, I, you know, it's a situation that's clearly going on. She's not a political writer in any yeah. way, but she certainly, uh, covers certain social moments and, and, um, and, and obviously it's extremely evocative music. Yeah. No, I haven't, uh, she's not always going to talk about something, you know, in in the most direct way. Yeah. That's why the chorus of New York, when that comes, it it is a little shocking <laughs> because she tends to ride around the corners a lot, and then all of a sudden there's just this stare straight into the yeah. the lens of the camera and say exactly what's on your mind moment. That is, it's just very, it's just stunning. Now I listened to this uh, this album on shuffle, and I've only given it maybe one or two spins through. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably spent more time with it, yeah. Does it does it carry a, a theme throughout, or is it telling a story based on those locations? And I, you know, it's stuff funny. Maybe in between, it's, probably. But I don't. Fo- it's funny you mentioned that because I don't feel that that unifying concept narrative thing as as much as I do the uh, the Lord album melodrama. That that right, to me that's right. the one that really that just immediately felt like. Uh, I, you know, like that was a, that was one person's story. This is one night of her life one or, or night, something. Yeah. Um, I just think that this, this collection of songs, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, it doesn't read that way to me. I, they, they all feel very connected, but I don't, but I think that's because of the production and this just a very, the, again, the, the meticulous detail to how things are presented. Listen for the, you can hear the clicking of the the keys on the keyboard in the song New York, which I assume is superimposed. I don't even know if you can make a like how you can't make a piano do that, or they're doing it on on like a Nord, like an electric keyboard. They're miking it, but yeah. they mean for you to hear that. Yeah, they mean for you to hear That's that. That's cool. And and it's and it's like why do why do they want me to know that? Why why do why do why do they want me to know that? Why do you know what I mean? That's really interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, it's like, oh, so am I supposed to picture this young woman maybe performing this song by herself in a bedroom with headphones yeah. on yeah, on an electric yeah. keyboard? Yeah, and then the rest of the instrumentation and voices she's imagining. Just, yeah, yeah. Mm. What's really funny is in the video, the brilliant. Well, I think the brilliant video for New York is. It's like kind of that that big rollout piano thing, like they used to have at FAO Schwartz in oh, New yeah. York, yeah. Uh, and and someone is dancing on it, and, that little, and they're even stepping on the wrong notes, which yeah. uh, which I assume is on purpose. But you hear the the clicking of the keyboard, <laughs> while you see someone stepping. It's like, well, that wouldn't make that sound. I don't know. Everything just it's it's just it's Russian nesting dolls, and it's it's and in the best way. 
So I, I, I like ending uh, the the last podcast of the year speaking about that record because I think that one, that one kind of kind of got it all done for me. Yeah. Sorry. Well, as Christmas is coming up, gift giving season, we uh, have a gift to give to you guys, um, but you're gonna have to work for it. There's a brand new album uh, that came out this year, 2017, by Jack Temption, songwriter, uh, singer songwriter, who uh, you may know as contributing songs to the Eagles, uh, "Peaceful Easy Feeling," "Already Gone." As well as songs for uh, Glenn Fry's solo career. This is the first time he's had a chance to record them himself. You, you my favorite Jack, Jack uh, Temption song, though? What is that? Uh, for my uh, beloved uh, Paladins out of San Diego. Uh, they uh, have a song of his they do called 15 Days Under the Hood. And uh, we'll, we'll just listen to a real quick bit of it right now. Because okay. it's not your easygoing kind of California Not what you would country. expect. Not if you're familiar with Jack. Just listen to this. Right. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. Continue with the contest. I just wanted to. So the folks over at Blue Elon Records, specifically Eddie Eastbrooks, has uh, donated a, a vinyl LP copy of Jack's new record for us to give away to one of our listeners. And uh, we're going to give the details about how to win that after this.
How Many Nights by Greg Collier off his 2016 record Songs from the Blind Trail. Prior to that, uh, we heard Jack Temption with Peaceful Easy Feeling off his new record on Blue Elon Records. We do have a vinyl copy to give away, and all you got to do is go to our website, www.thejukeboxgraduate.com, and go there and you'll find the link to send in your answer to this trivia question. Which founding member of the Birds guests on the new Jack Temption record? Hmm. Who could it be? Yeah. All you got to do is go to our website, submit your answer to the trivia question, and we will announce the winner in the next episode. So what do we got left here, Gene? Uh, I think we've got some thank yous. Uh, Now, we're uh, recording this uh, episode. uh, Pollywood Studios wasn't available. uh, uh, So we're at a a studio called Mystery Ship uh, in South Pasadena. And uh, my good friend, I, we went to high school together, uh, Tim Jones, who's a, a, a wonderful, wonderful film composer. Uh, this is his joint. And he was generous enough to let us uh, uh, crash uh, his party. And I've got to say, I've spent a lot of time here over the years. Uh, and there's definitely a sense memory whenever I'm here. And I've told Tim this story, but... Um, th- Film composing is a very unique craft, and we will have Tim on an episode in the future. I think we should, and we're going to get into this. But um, if you came from music as as a song guy like me, uh, and Tim was very good about letting me know this ahead of time, there's a lot to unlearn if you're going (laughs) to just because I would I would play some instruments for Tim. What what for film or, or he did a lot of television as well, network stuff, and and it's not okay. For instance. He'd say, "Well, the the cue's forty five seconds long," and I'm thinking, "Oh, well, that's that's so fast." And he would just look at me like, "It's forty five seconds long." If you're a songwriter, that's your first verse, mm. like that's it's forty five seconds gone. But you're you're not repeating anything. You it's like no no no, 
this has to be a, a, a continuous stream that has to match, match, uh, match picture or evoke something, and then you've got, yeah. uh, you know, and you're uh, answering to, to probably a, a director or producer who's not a musician and doesn't know how to explain things. Yeah. So I so going to the restroom, washing my hands, the smell of, I don't know what the brand of soap is, but I the smell of that soap immediately my I get zapped back like a Twilight Zone episode. I get zapped <laughs> to like it's like two thirty in the morning and I'm exhausted and I'm just thinking to myself, how are we gonna make this bass sound more purple? Because <laughs> that's what you, that's the gig. That's what you've been asked to do at this point. And I just and just kind of like, oh, I don't know. And so it's it's always 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 it means a lot to me to be back in this room whenever I get to come back here. Uh, and and uh, so Tim and then Tim of course has been <laughs> kind of while we recording, he's just bringing up strange images on the, the the computer screen. And this is why the Jim Neighbors reference came up. And he was and when we didn't know the answers to stuff, he was pulling stuff yep. up. And he he's been absolutely lovely. The Phil Spector Christmas tree, all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> the Phil Spector Christmas wig hair thing. <laughs> Thank Tim Jones for this. And, thank you so uh, much, Tim. So thank you very, very much, Tim. We do appreciate this. We, we obviously we could not have done this without you. Um, and also, uh, thank to our sponsors at Satellite Amplifiers. Yesterday's technology today. They now offer not just amplifiers, but guitars and pedals. And I do believe they have some really cool swag. They now have ladies' tank tops in stock. Go to SatelliteAmps.com. Nice. Also, thanks to Blue Elon Records and uh, Brad Williams of the Salty Dogs, Greg Collier, and Jack Temption. And then time for uh, to close out the uh, the year with our our lyric quotes. Are you ready for this? Um, yes, I am. All right, I'll go first. You go first. When we were young, we wanted to die, but the sound of a drum and the words of a child brought a different light. Now, no one can tell. I'm Dave Rayburn. The long arm of the law slides up the outskirts of town. I'm Eugene Edwards, and this has been the Jukebox Graduate.